Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, welcome back to the next episode of the Keto Naturopath. I'm Dr. Carl Goldcamp. Well, today, um, my objective is to give you something you can hold in your hand that you can immediately start doing today, tomorrow, or the next couple days to make a dramatic change in your life. And I'm going to show you why and do some, we're actually going to get some research. I'm going to stick to primarily one study that I think is bonafide. I'm going to show you where it is, get the link in the show notes, but I want you to explore some of the other studies from this particular site. But the topic for today is really going to be about essential fatty acids. And so when you use that rather big, long, fancy word, it sounds educated, doesn't it? And it just actually means two different kinds of fats. They call them omega-3s and they call them omega-6s. And so omega-3s is basically fish and marine primarily, marine food, but it's fish, it's shellfish and so on and so forth. And you can say, what is the best source of omega-3s? It comes from uh, ocean fish and I could leave it at that, except that uh, some fish are more polluted than others. And so we kind of have to tease things out. So what is the safest form and the best form? Well, you can get cod liver oil that has been tested for heavy metals and so on and so forth. And that's clearly been on uh, the market for the last, what, 100 years. And um, But in terms of actual food, I would say uh, Pacific salmon, Alaskan salmon is probably the best thing if you were to eat any one source. Uh, there's other fish you could get as well. So that's a safe source and uh, because it's not a huge fish. But you could also get um, sardines, mackerel, and so on and so forth. So we've talked a little bit about that in the past. But what you don't know is that your efforts humankind's efforts, but mostly in the United States, it's the only thing I can talk uh, to and about, has really been undermined by the food industry. And that's not new to you either, I know. But it just has been so dramatically undermined. And this information has been so apparent, at least since I was in med school at the beginning of the 90s, so for the last 30 years. So none of this is new. And every so often you get a kind of a, a new grandstander or a person that sort of takes this topic and, and goes, wow, you know, we shouldn't be having seed oils. And wow, I just discovered this is, it's terrible. Well, it's really been terrible for uh, the last 70 years, anyway, to throw a number out. And it's been um, plenty of information one could read in the last 30. And certainly since the internet's come on, there are some bona fide sources for understanding this. 
When I say this, by the way, part of my surprise and and having to deal with this issue now is that, do you realize there are other large institutions that are getting in the way of that? That is, they're, they're thwarting the average person's ability to understand their need for omega-3s and demi- and mi- minimize, diminish the amount of omega-6s. So they don't want you to know that. And it sounds so conspiratorial for me to say something like that. So I'd say, just go to Harvard Webs, the Harvard T.H. Uh, Chen School of Public Health, go to their nutrition school, and they're more than, they basically each department has their own little blog. And it is just gross. They're saying, well, we need omega-6 because omega-6 does all these things. Well, I've just been going through a series of YouTubes on on uh, on omega six and essential fatty acids, and as we wear down and peel the layers of the onion away to find out where did this misinformation really get started, it started certainly with Ansel Keys back in the fifties, but there was two studies uh, done in the late sixties and finished in the early seventies that basically were about to say, hey, add take you know subtract the saturated fats decrease the saturated fats in one's diet, increase it with polyunsaturated fats, namely uh, omega-6s, linoleic acid, and you should really be helping people's health. Specifically, they're saying drop the saturated fats, you'll drop the cholesterol, you drop the cholesterol, you will have a healthier population. What they found is you add the saturated fats and uh, you drop the saturated fats, you add in the polyunsaturated linoleic, linoleic acid, and you do drop the cholesterol. But guess what? When you drop the cholesterol, you increase all-cause mortality. So these two studies, one was from Minnesota. So they, they call it the Minnesota Coronary Experiment or Survey. It's referenced to both. That finished in 73. And also finishing the very same year, there was another study called the Sydney Diet uh, health survey study, actually. So they're both large, and they're both have the same objective. The only difference really is that given in uh, in the Minnesota, you call it that name, Midwest, so the Minnesotan, Minnesotans used, Minnesotans used corn oil for their polyunsaturated fat, and the Sydney in Australia use safflower. The difference is safflower has about 80% linoleic acid and corn oil has about 60%. Either way, they both increased it. One increased it a lot and you saw pretty dire consequences. So what did they see? They both dropped the cholesterol levels, right? They dropped the saturated fats and the cholesterol did come down. But what happened in the Sydney study is that not only did all-cause mortality increase by dropping the serum cholesterol, but specifically increased risks of all all forms of heart disease, heart attacks, cardiovascular, atherosclerosis, et cetera, et cetera, increased. Whereas in the United States with the corn oil, and maybe that was the difference that it wasn't as much omega-6 as the Australian study, is that they... Uh, clearly increased risk for the whole population. It was a seven-year study because they dropped the serum cholesterol. And uh, they're saying they didn't find any difference between the control and the treated group in um, heart disease, death by heart disease. So the interesting thing is there was most of the data on both of these studies 
were not used in the original interpretation of the study. Most of the data was just missing, just missing, until about 19, uh, 19, uh, 20, 2015, actually 2012 and then 2014, this, somebody asked if there was more data to include it, and they did the search, and they basically found in the United States in somebody's basement the old data, the magnetic tapes that they had used to collect the data of all the study. They had to find a machine that could play those magnetic tapes and then bring all that data up to current use. And in Sydney, they found the missing data in somebody's garage in a shoebox. Isn't that amazing? And so it's very mysterious on that whole thing. But the problem was that they had removed, they had not used all the data that was available. Therefore, they came up to an erroneous conclusion. And this echoes the same process that happened with Ansel Keys in the late 50s when he did his seven country study. That wasn't seven countries at all. It was closer to 50 countries. He just left out all the data that did not agree with his conclusion. So they're doing the same shenanigans in this next round of study about 10 years later, a little more than 10 years after that first. So what am I getting at? Um, I'm getting at, obviously, the data's been skewed and there's a whole sort of institutional influence, money's influence to not look at the data. So science is being thwarted, it's being corrupted, it's being... uh, produced in a fraudulent way, unless it gets uncovered like it was. So the Sydney diet, uh, missing diet was discovered and reinterpreted in 2013. And the Minnesotan coronary survey found the data and that was reinterpreted in 2016. So not that long ago, five and eight years ago. Amazing. So once you start looking I mean, we all knew. I mean, going through med school, it was like, yeah, uh, omega-6 is inflammatory and omega-3 was anti-inflammatory. It was that simplistic. You know, the bigger picture is it's either left or right. But how the prejudice that I was taught with was that, no, meat eaters have high omega-6. And vegetarians, uh, if you have plant-based sources of food, that you will have mostly omega-3 and therefore you'll be more anti-inflammatory. Well, that was partially true, but mostly untrue. And whether it was conspiratorial or just out of neglect, I don't know. I, I tend to think that there was an agenda there of being rather plant-based medicine in uh, naturopathic uh, medical schools. They were talking about diet now, not so much botanical medicines, which is a whole different thing. So now you start opening up this can of worms and you realize there's a lot of actually really good studies out there that show you um, how how the amount of omega-6 in our diet has changed over 100 years. From 1909, we're going to get into it, and there's even charts and everything else that makes it all look pretty and understandable to the to layman like myself. You know, how deep are you going to go? But primarily, it was, we didn't have much linolenic acid. We didn't have much in the way of omega-6, except that the, the, the animals that we ate, and you know they had omega-6 and they had omega-3. So if you left it at that, you know, our ratios between omega-6, right, and omega-3 was roughly two, three, maybe four at the outside, but call it three anyway. Um, and sometimes some people say one to one, that from omega-6 to omega-3. Well, now 
if anybody's been watching my videos, you say I put our labs up there of maybe about uh, 40 of our recent clients, patients, whatever you want to call them. And I sorted it from left to right by the highest omega-3 to the lowest omega-3, sorry, the highest omega-6 to the lowest omega-6, the line of leic acid. And what we find is that all the ones in the right were had high inflammation, they had high insulin, they were just, uh, had a lot of problems. They just had a lot of problems, a lot of inflammation, um, some were verging on various autoimmunes, and all this was pretty straightforward. So you go, well, gosh, why, why haven't other people looked at this? Well, apparently, what I did was just made it a, a, a present example of what the world is actually doing. But prior to that, most people do not get from their doctors the what they call the omega panel. The omega panel contains a number of different things. It's a very cheap panel. $35, maybe $50 to get this done. It'll measure that ratio. So um, I'd like to point you to a study called Changes in the Consumption of Omega-3 and Omega-6 Fatty Acids in the United States during the 20th Century, and primarily they're uh, measuring from 1909 to 1999. So whether you want to say it's 100 years or 90 or whatever, you know. <clears throat> and so what it does, um, it showed, and I'm going to read some of this. I mean, it has plenty of tables, and I'm not going to go over this. One, one good thing about uh, podcasts is you can be much more spontaneous in your description and going into things. And one thing you don't have is the, the visible part, which you have on YouTube, but that has to be more um, planned out. So on this particular study that came out in 2006... No, this is 2011. We'll get to another one, 2006 in a second. And it said, the consumption of omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids in Western diet is thought to have changed markedly in the 20th century. So they sought to clarify it. That's their objective. And um, they said the results, the estimated per capita consumption of soybean oil increased over a thousand fold. That's not a thousand percent, a thousand fold from 1909 to 1999. So this particular study cites the use of soybean as the highest single variable responsible for jacking up our omega-6. And of course, that's first was put into it's the beginning of processed food. So your Crisco's and everything else is they, but those are just oils that you're now using out of convenience. But all the processed food industry, as that gets cranked up, from your canned goods and so on and so forth, it's now loaded with omega-6. It's loaded with lionelic acid. It's loaded with things that came from soy. Soy has now found this, it's it's the it's kind of the plastic of the uh, early 1900s. It was used for everything. In fact, Henry Ford used it for his car in terms of the steering wheel and the, uh, the plastic parts, if they called them that back then. Okay, so it says the availability of lionelic acid, omega-6, L-A, increased from 2.8% to about 10% of energy, of energy. We're just talking calories then. Whereas the availability of what they call ALA, which is the other plant-based, they say it's going to go into omega-3, which it doesn't really, uh, increased as much. And so, um, let's see... 
Okay, LA, without getting too wrapped up in the, the numbers, the ratio of LA to ALA, which is omega-6 to omega-3 from plants, increased 6.4 from 6.4, that was ratio is 6.4, of these added oils to 10, so that's 10, 10 omega-6, oleic acid, to one of the ALA uh, in 1999. So there's a 10 to one change, huge change. And you go, well, wait a minute, Dr. Goldcamp, didn't you just say that you measured uh, 17 and 18 percent, you know, ratios? I did. So where's all this other stuff coming from? Well, all the other stuff is coming from is all the processed foods that people are eating. So really, that's the answer. And this is the oil. And now they use not just soy, they use canola, they use corn oil, of course. And as we've met, talked before on this podcast about corn and soy uh, combined, uh, has the demand, or how do I say this, uses 85% of all pesticides made in the United States are used for those two crops. Both of them are now GMO. When do they start becoming GMO? My guess is probably the 60s to the 70s, not back in the early 90s. So um, the conclusion of this particular study with all its diagrams and everything says, the apparent increase in consumption of linoleic acid, omega-6, was primarily from soybean, has likely decreased the tissue concentration of EPA and DHA. So EPA and DHA are oils you get directly from fish, primarily, and you get some from meats as well. So those are the natural, animal, um, fostered, if you will, Omega-3s, those are the real omega-3s. So when you have fish oil, you have cod liver oil, you're having EPA and DHA. So what this is saying is saying we're having so much soy oil, primarily of the linolenic acid, that it is now pushing down and depriving um, your tissues from what they needed, which is the EPA and DHA. Now that's a big deal. I'm gonna get into that uh, briefly to say that that now is a cause for all sorts of psychological uh, issues. So let me just read through this. It's just a fascinating study, and it really embodies a family of studies. And by the way, this comes from uh, a pretty respected journal. It's called the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and this is um, May 2011. So you can go look for it, but go look for it on the uh, website, and you'll see off to the right, there's a number of equally good articles that you're going to be wanting to read. But let me give you this, it says, the background and the abstract. The consumption of omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids in Western diet is thought to have changed markedly in the 20th century. And uh, there has been so much speculation about the changes in the consumption of essential fatty acids through the 20th century, the 1900s. However, to our knowledge, detailed quantitative analysis has not been reported. It has been suggested that the omega-3 fatty acids from from, it says ALA, which is the plant-based omega-3 that's added, um, EPA and DHA, have become less abundant in American diets. And the average ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids has increased from as little as one to one. So they're saying back at 1909, which is the beginning of their measuring here, it was actually a one-to-one -one ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. And they're saying it's changed from one to one to 30 to one. That's really tilted. And I can kind of agree with that because if my data of the people that we're seeing is 17 and 18 to one, that easily fits into what these guys are saying here in this particular study. So dietary intakes 
of omega-3 to 6 fatty acids are critical determinants of the proportion of bioactive uh, saturated fats. And these tissues, the tissue percent of these fats have been shown to affect multiple disease states, ranging from psychiatric to cardiovascular to neurodevelopmental deficits. The omega-3 index, which is your EPA to DHA ratio, which is a direct measure of those as a percentage of fatty acids, has been proposed as a risk biomarker for cardiovascular disease. However, there is no method for estimating omega-3 index from intakes of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. So they're saying that, you know, you can talk about diet diaries and what people say they're eating, what they're not eating. Why don't you just go measure the freaking thing, <laughs> right? Just go measure, get the blood test that I opened this thing up with. You get that and now you know. So now that you know, at least per this, they're saying that, you know, one to one was the normal up to a hundred years ago, 120 years ago, that was the normal. And so now if we're 18, 19, 21, we have some problems. We have the problems I just named to you. So why don't you go find out yourself, invest the $50 yourself. This is the thing I'm giving you to put in your hands that you can go do on your life and make this information personal to you to make a change in your life. So you'll find out what your ratio is. It's not real sophisticated. You don't need a doctor to interpret it. It says it right there. There's your omega-6 to 3 ratio. What is it? It also will say... What is your EPA to um, your EPA and DHA amounts? And so you'll it gives you a range, and it's it's a useful enough test to allow you to say, hmm, you know, I do eat a lot of processed food. I am the average American person, though people don't want to admit that they're on the a standard American diet. But that number is going to set you up to change your life. I know that this is the Keto Naturopath podcast, and therefore keto is dropping your carbs and maybe, depending on your kind of keto, increasing your fats or not. But the primarily part is, yes, car- dropping carbs is a big deal. What was in those carbs that you dropped? What was in those carbs that you dropped was processed foods. So we're kind of saying the same thing. And you can say, you can argue with me saying, no, 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 I'm, I live on a farm and we just have organic vegetables. Well, you are such an extreme rare minority you are correct if that's what you're saying. You know, green leafy vegetables, which is kind of what we had to grow up with, not processed foods. My mother was a big gardener. She grew up post-World War II and the whole Victory Garden thing. And as kids, we were all conscripted to work in the garden a number of hours per week, if not a number of hours per day. So anyway, um, this is a big deal. So this whole history. It goes, and let me spin to some of these things saying, oh, it gives you a comparison of uh, current foods to nutritional foods from 1909. So for instance, like uh, whole whole milk, how much whole milk had of of the various fatty acids, and it goes down from there. Uh, It's fascinating. So basically, you can go through it line by line. You can find out how some things have become so overwhelmingly you know, infiltrating our food that you go, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. So let me give you here, it says, estimation of changes in tissue composition. This is the thing that we're actually talking about. I know it's a formula and we're not going to go into that, but it says the nutrient availability was used to predict the omega-6 tissue status as a percentage and as the omega-3 index, which is, I encourage you to get. 
Um, it went on as just saying low is associated with a number of terrible situations. Um, and if you like colored graphs, this is going to show you how, uh, see, starting in about 1945, Crisco, remember Crisco? Shortening became the thing. You know, you didn't use lard anymore. You didn't use butter. You used Crisco. And where did Crisco come from? Crisco is primarily soy. And then secondarily, it's, it's uh, corn now. And so that became a big deal way. So now people are not only having high fat, they're having high bad fat and they're driving out the good fat. So they really are in a lot of trouble. And it talks about, it shows the difference between how much omega-6 poultry had back then versus now. And of course, when you talk about chickens, which is what we're talking about with poultry, it really depends how you raise them. Are they you know, the standard American grocery store chicken, which is caged, uh, cage raised and you know, fed uh, soy and corn, they're going to be high in omega-6. If they are farmyard chickens that are just scratching the, the earth for the bugs and so on, they're going to be pretty high in omega-3 and be a great chicken to eventually eat. Okay. Um, I'm trying to look for something pretty interesting. What else has changed? Um, believe it or not, we ate a lot more grains back in 1990, 1909, and that's gone down. Uh, the lowest point are really in the 60s, and it's coming back up slightly, probably by the pro processed foods. The uh, soy oil has gone from basically zero in 1909 to um, a gazillion high. I mean, that's the source of all evil relative to, to oils. And the other oil that would increase, uh, we've we uh, um, is uh, fats in general have gone up. So um, I can break it down, and I think I'm going to lose you if I get too much in the stats. But basically, say L-linoleic acid, omega six, has screamingly increased, as that study said. They think now it's up to a 31 reference, and I've been able to show you, at least on the videos, 18 to 1 reference. It's a big deal. And so you got some work to do. And so the difference about this little conversation we're having here right now about me saying, go get that lab, go get that lab, go get the Omega panel, because it will immediately change how you think, how you feel, how you sleep, and um, to a degree your personality. I kid you not. I kid you not. Um, you know, when we started coaching I don't know, four years ago, the first thing we tell people is you get all the carbohydrate, all the processed foods out of your kitchen, right? Put them in a bag, put the bag in the freezer if you have enough space and you can get to it. You can choose to get to it later or you can just toss it in the garbage. Um, but get it out of the kitchen. So they would be gone with the cookies and the cereals and the, um, the corn flakes and the potato chips and so on and so forth, all out. Well, the second exercise I would now add in that I did not add in is that we are now going to get rid of all the vegetable oils that are in your house. We're now going to get rid of, of the processed foods, which probably would have gone out with the carbs, but now out with any of those jugs of vegetable oils that we're going to cook with. If we're going to cook with anything, it's going to be in olive oil and it's going to be in coconut oil. Done. Over with. If you want to cook in avocado oil, fine. If you have <clears throat> good brand. Okay, so I hope you're getting the point. It's more than documented here, but um, let me park this to show you how, and I'm going to read from, from false information that's trying to pitch you on increasing your omega-6. Yeah, I'm going to go to some of these 
um, um, references. And you'll see how things have not changed, how they're basically shills for the food industry. They're shills for, you know, I mean, it sounds so conspiratorial, but after being in the trenches and treating people and realizing this is really screwed up, and I always wondered, how can these numbers be that high? It's not just about meaty, eating meat. It's about processed foods. It's, right. it's the biggest evil out there. And there's so much money behind it that it's not going to change anytime soon. And those two studies that I told you about that now have been revamped and have different conclusions, the McGovern Committee, the McGovern Commission was based, used those studies to determine, no, you need to eat less meat, need to eat less um, less fat and more grains, very Midwestern kind of self-gratifying. Um, and also came out were these guidelines of blood work. So your cholesterol was, those levels were established in the early 70s from these two at 200. And how Clearly, that's wrong, completely wrong. And in Scandinavia, thank goodness, they didn't buy into that because they've shown in their studies over the last 15 years, if not 20, that your LDL and your total cholesterol needs to increase as it does increase as you get older. But the higher, on any age as you get older, the higher your cholesterol, the lower your all-cause mortality is. So in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70s, and so on, the higher your total cholesterol was, and your LDL, low-density lipoprotein, was, the lower was your risk for all-cause mortality, dying from any particular, from accident, from autoimmune, from cancer, from heart disease, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a big deal. It's not a soapbox that I'm speaking from. It's something very significant that you can go change. There's the labs. Here's the information, but having the labs in your hand and saying, this is me, it's a little bit like talking about your car specifically and how your car is running. Not so much, what do you think about the Mustang versus something else versus something else? It's about your car. It's the data on your car. It's like bringing your car to your mechanic when you have to have maintenance and he gives you data. You get that sheet afterwards and you go, well, these are the things I think it would change. This is your data. I hope you take it seriously because it's something you can do for yourself. Most people, and the reason I'm sort of pushy on this particular tone in my presentation tonight, is that um, I've given a gazillion medical talks. And guess what? People like to go to medical talks because they feel healthier for being exposed to the information that was revealed to them. But maybe less than one in 10, I would say, use any of that information. So most people don't take what they heard and implement it, they think the mere exposure to these ideas eventually will make them a healthier person. Yeah, I don't know how, how eventual is eventual, but uh, no, it's about go out and do this. So I'm, I'm urging you, whenever you hear this, go do this. You know, you can go online right now. We use Ulta Lab, but these places that you, you can call your doc, any of these things. It don't say, oh, it's not covered by insurance. Who cares? I just told you at max, it's going to cost you 50 bucks, probably 30 for the people with, for our clients, it's $36, I believe. So go do it. Um, and there's plenty of uh, independent, that is, you don't have to, you can keep this a secret if that's what you want, you know, but just go do it and um, go take your car in for that maintenance appointment so it'll run better. Don't you want to run better? Be better. 
Um, so I'm going to park this and come back with a few other comments here that that hopefully will motivate you even a little more. Here's another study that you have access to. I mean, you'll, um, I'll put the link in for this too. It says healthy intakes of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, estimations considering worldwide diversity. And this came out in 2006. So now we're going back 14, 15, almost 16 years ago. But here's the part I want to read you. It says, uh, the worldwide diversity of dietary intakes of omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids influence tissue compositions of omega-3s. And and that is a problem. I'm just paraphrasing it. And by the way, I want to inject, the reason there is such a decrease in the omega-3s and increase in omega-6 were because of those two studies. It was because of the McGovern Committee that based all their dietary recommendations. And then subsequent to that was the uh, dietary nutritional guidelines, the dietary guidelines that the United States has, which the rest of the world kind of emulates for worse, and uh, the lab work that was based on that. So it's because of those two studies in which this information was not complete that you all this stuff that is permanently etched in stone in so many different cultures and so many different countries and their medical systems. Uh, it, it's a just terrible bad news. But here's what I want to read. It says, it's under design. Deficiency in omega-3 long-chain fatty acids was defined as attributable risk uh, from 13 morbidity and mortality outcomes. It's a fancy way of saying 13 different disorders is going to be, will be a problem, including all causes for coronary heart disease, stroke, cardiovascular disease, all three of those are pretty much the same thing, homicide, killing other people, bipolar disorders, psychological disorder, major and major and postpartum depressions, dietary availability of omega-3 long-chain fatty acids, from 38 countries and tissue compositions, data were correlated by best fit to each illness and deficiency risk models. So, and I'll just jump to the conclusion on this. this is a, the second study. It says, with some exceptions, caveats, inherent for ecology and so on and so forth, a healthy dietary allowance for omega-3s for current U.S. diets was estimated 3.5 grams per day for 2000 calorie diet. This allowance for omega-3, listen to this part, this allowance for omega-3 long chain fatty acids likely can be reduced to one tenth of that amount by consuming fewer omega-6 fats. So they're, what they're saying, if you see this as a seesaw of really, we have really high omega-6 and very low omega-3, they're saying on the very least, go get some fish oil to go fish and get some EPA, DHA, which is a fish oil. Um, go get that and bring up that side of the seesaw so at least we'll have some parity. But they're saying, you know, if you work on the omega-6 side, just stop having processed foods and drop your own omega-6, your linoleic acid. If you do that independently, you don't need that much omega-3. And I kind of agree with that, by the way. You know, that's why fish oil, if you did... If you did nothing and knew nothing about medicine and did three things, one would be obviously the fish oil, and we sort of that's self-explanatory given what we've been talking about. Take dairy out of your diet for two months. Take all sort of gluten out of your diet. We'll say wheat in this case, which is the highest, most concentrated source of gluten in the world today. Uh, not talking about the old grains of 10,000 years ago, uh, the new 
the new the new roughly in the last hundred and hundred years or so. Um, you take these three, you know, you add in some fish oil, the EPA, DHEA, you remove those other two, do it for two months. Prove me wrong, just do it for two months. And you'll find there'll be an incredible change. I've seen this too many times. I've seen this probably 16,000 times. It's not a person that won't, yeah, and I'm not, and, and, you're, and here's the rebuttal. But it doesn't bother me. Why should I do it? It doesn't bother me. Well, then you don't want to be healthier, fine. Just do it and you will come back to me and you're going to tell me these things that get improved in your life that you didn't know could improve. That's just how it's going to go. So um, how is that for being a little bit uppity today and telling you things you should do with your life, right? So there you go. So these are pretty three easy things to do. If you did nothing else, you have your um, um, omega-3s. And so uh, this is a pretty straightforward study. You know, it sort of lays it out like, well, there you go. You have two choices. You can either amp up your omega-3 or you can cut down your omega-6. Cutting down your omega-6 means dropping your processed food consumption for good. You know, your grandparents, eat what your grandmother ate. Or if you're too young listening to this, then your great-grandmother, if you can remember her. Ask your parents what your great-grandmother was like. And they will tell you when they went to their grandparents what they had for dinner and base it on that. So you're going to have to learn to cook. Okay. Um, oh, I'm going to show you some uh, back in a second. Okay. Now I'm reading from a website called Nourish by WebMD, which is a shill for uh, industrial food complex. But here it goes. It goes. And I chose... Healthy, uh, it says healthy foods high in omega-6. Is there such a thing? Omega-6 fatty acids are essential nutrients for a healthy heart. These heart-healthy fats, which clearly is not true, by the way, are found in many foods, particularly vegetable oils, seeds, and nuts. Our body can't make omega-6s, so we must get them out of our diet. Meaning out of our diet, we even derive them from our diet. But most of us get more than enough, it says. Okay, why you need omega-6? Omega-6 fatty acids support self, proper cell function. Um, it says studies show a link between higher oleic acid intake, the most common omega-6, and reduced rates of heart attacks and other heart diseases. Well, that's a blatant lie. That's a blatant lie. Those two studies show just the opposite that are now at 50 years old, nearly. Some research shows that omega-6s may lower cholesterol. That part's true. Keeping your blood vessels clear from buildup that can cause clots and heart problems. Uh, it is gross. And I could go on to Harvard and so on and so forth. This is just an example. So this is by WebMD, They're one of their associated blogs called Nourish. Yeah, which is not nourishing you. So on that, I just want to say, go get that lab done. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes there too. Um, but take it upon yourself. This is your opportunity to make your maintenance appointment with your body and just this one test. You can build on there, and I take a lot of tests, but I'm encouraging you to be a, a student of your own data. It matters. Don't go, I get, I, here's, the t here's the stupid questions. I hate to use that word, but here's the stupid questions. I say, take it upon yourself to go get this lab. So people could come, they don't get the lab. They go 
So how much omega-3 should I have? How you know they're expecting me to give them a recipe to being left and right. It's a little bit like saying, can you fix my car? And I go, well, what's wrong with it? I don't know, but it needs fixing. It's like, it's an ignorant conversation. You need to be very specific. So go get the data on yourself, start small. And this is a great place to start. You'll know what you're talking about. You know, you, you can't just float along by saying, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't, you know, gosh, I don't know. I really like potato chips. Don't, please don't. If you care about your health. I mean, that's the whole thing. All right. Till next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldkamikin for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough and many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H.com. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you cho- choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of a, just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.